0: Today on Hardwired. John witnesses the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Here it comes. The world's never seen anything like this. Verse 11, heaven opens, and from that lofty realm of heaven comes the all-conquering Christ. Verse 11, then I saw heaven opened, oh my, and a white horse was
1: standing there. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while, or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, It's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. It's a thrill to come your way and it's an honor to share with you the Word of God. Well, the book of Revelation is a powerful book. It goes without saying, and we've been going through the entire book here on Hardwired, and today we come to a real highlight in the book of Revelation, the return of Jesus Christ on a white horse. I think it's worth noting that when Antichrist rides in the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, he rides a white horse as well, but he's a fake Christ. Today we're gonna see the real thing, the real Christ, Jesus returning on a white horse. And when he returns, he's going to stop the terrible war of Armageddon, and he's going to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men, literally. He's going to rule the world from this point forward. I'm so excited to share part two of the message, The Rider on the White Horse. Let's go. Why are our works tried? fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And this is what scares me in a good way, it puts the fear of God in me. Because if I'm a pastor and I got a crowd of people and I'm not teaching you the word, and I'm giving you a bunch of stuff, secular stuff, you go get them stuff, you know, motivational, positive thinking kind of stuff, religious stuff. I'm not teaching you the good word of God, I'm gonna answer to God for it. So anytime you're around me, under me, listening to me, you can mark it. You'll hear me start with a verse, you'll hear me pepper my message with verses all the way through, and I will end it with a verse because I don't have anything to say to you except the word. That's all I've got to say to you. I'm gonna answer for it. And you're gonna answer, listen to me everybody, what you allowed somebody to build on your foundation. It's not just the speaker, it's the listener. They'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. What are they doing? And doctors of devils, they're listening and they're letting their itching ears be scratched by false teaching. So it's not just what am I telling you, but it's what are you submitting to and listening to? Like I said Sunday, who's got your ear? Who's telling you who you are? Who's building on the foundation of Christ? If they're not building the word into your life, folks, and I'm talking about the whole word, the real word, the Christian word, the New Testament word, the Bible word, you better hook them. Get out of there, turn it off, put it down. Because look what he says. On the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value eternally. If the work survives the fire of God's scrutiny, that builder will receive a reward. I'll get a reward and so will you for listening to the right things and letting Christ be built into your life. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7, the last thing he said, Matthew 7, 24 or so. He talks about the man built his house on the sand and the floods came and the winds blew and the rains fell. And beat, as a violent word in the Greek, smashed against that house and it fell. Why? Because it was built on sand. But he that hears these sayings of mine and does them... I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the floods came and the winds blew and the rains fell and beat on that house in the same way the other one was beat on. They're in the same neighborhood. They're on the same street. But one collapses and one stands. Isn't that true of people? Haven't you known people who were right down the way from you and winds blew, trials came, floods beat on their house? tribulation, persecution, criticism, whatever, and it collapsed right down the street, right next door to you. The same things happened to you, but you kept on standing. What's the difference? You did something right in here. You built, you got the right foundation, the rock of Christ, then you built on top of that, the epistles, the teachings of the apostles and of Christ himself. Man, this not I, I didn't mean to spend this much time on this, But we need to hear this. Because watch this. If the work survives, that builder is going to receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. So you're getting in, but by the skin of your chinny-chin-chin, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So everybody say, be careful what foundation you have. I've got about five of you going with me here. I think the rest of you are kind of freaked out from what I just said. So let's try again. It matters what foundation you lay, Jesus Christ, and what you build on it and who you allow to build into your life. So the good deeds for which these saints in Revelation have received the reward of pure white linen are works done in obedience to Christ. While good deeds do not merit our salvation, they attest to the authenticity of our salvation and they're rewarded. Now, after the bridal banquet, the triumphant saints go forth to participate in the glorious appearing and the establishment of our Lord's long-awaited kingdom. Who is among these saints? They're identified in Hebrews 12, 23, because it says saints return with him. Who are they? Let's read. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. Is your name in heaven? All right. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. And you have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. That's you, that's me, by the blood. These are the redeemed of this age, rewarded and glorified, now ready to be exalted with Christ in heavenly splendor. Now there's guests at the marriage feast. I'm going to tell you who I believe is going to be there. John the Baptist, because Jesus said the friend of the bridegroom. That's what he called John. John will be there. Old Testament saints will be there. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Haggai, Malachi. I'm going to be looking for Adam. (laughs) So I can give him a great big thanks a lot. (laughs) Elijah, Elisha. They're all gonna be there. The Old Testament saints, the redeemed church and the tribulation martyrs. The marriage feast will be a joyous celebration to honor the lamb and the lamb's wife before all of heaven. And John is overcome. How many of you would be overcome at this point? He's overcome. The angel speaks to him again and says, verse nine, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, no, 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 no. don't worship me. I'm a servant of God. Just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. This is the angel talking. He says, worship only God. Now catch this next statement. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Social media is infested with false prophets. I'm gonna tell you right now, infested. Sometimes I listen to them so you won't have to. (laughs) I just want to know what they're saying because they have 30, 40, 50,000 followers. And I listen to their their words. Now, I, I don't judge people. Matter of fact, I don't judge people. I judge what they're saying. I judge the fruit, okay? The authenticity, is this really from God? There's self-proclaimed pride. And I'm not saying they're all false, but there's a whole bunch of false ones. And the things they go into and the things they say, listen, what amazes me is that they have thousands of followers who are so gullible, so lacking in discernment because it's so out there. It's not prophecy. They foretell things. And all you gotta do is track it and check it but nobody hangs around or checks it to see if what they said last week or last month ever happened we just want the holy ghost bumps over what they're saying now but i think it's a scary thing to say almighty god is speaking through me these words if you're not sure it's him now i believe in prophecy i believe somebody can be moved on by the holy ghost and foretell the future And I believe the other meaning of prophecy, which is to proclaim God's truth. I believe in both. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But I also believe that we need some sound teaching on it. Because things are passing for prophecy out there. He's telling us right here, if you just testify of Jesus, you just prophesied. Amen. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Say, I've told somebody about Jesus in the last six months. Raise your hand. You prophesied. See, you're a prophet and didn't know it. But here he says the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. All I'm saying with this, folks, is please be careful what you listen to. Put on your discernment hat. Don't be led astray by somebody who just says, Thus says the Lord. Check it out. Care enough to check it out. Try the spirits to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, John told us. Have you tried the spirits lately? Now let me pause here and speak to the issue of the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Because there's two views held by good people on both sides. Now now don't freak out on me. Hang tough. But I'm going to show you there's two views of the rapture and second coming. And I just want to show you, tell you what they are. One of them is the church is gonna be raptured or cut up off the earth right before the seven year tribulation period. Now that's a very popular view. It's called the pre-tribulation rapture view. And this is easily the most popular of the two views in America. How many of you believe this view? Let me just see. How many don't believe this view? Two. Okay, three. All right,
1: no condemnation, let's move on. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in, or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. It's
0: easily, the the Pre-Trib Rapture is easily the most popular, then popularized for us by movies like Left Behind, Tim LaHaye's incredibly popular series, Left Behind, all those books, and the teaching of a whole lot of popular pastors, including (laughs) moi. Okay, but there's a second view. The second view also held by many good people. This doesn't mean they're lost. Doesn't mean they're not right. They sincerely hold this view, and that's okay. And scholars good people and scholars is the second coming and the rapture are one and the same event, okay? And there won't be two separate appearances of Jesus. Because if you are a pre-trib rapture, then you believe there's gonna be a rapture and then seven years later, there's gonna be the second advent. So that's two appearances in a seven year period. If you're the other view, if you hold to the other view, then the way you see it is the trumpet will blow, Christ will appear, church will be caught up, meet him in the air, and then we come down with him to stop the War of Armageddon and set up the Millennial Kingdom. And it's, it's one and the same event. It's not two separate events. Okay? Everybody say, I gotcha. Yeah. Now the first view, the pre-tribulation view is supported by verses that you know well, Paul said, this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede but those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, whichever view you hold, this is going to happen no matter what. Right? The only issue is timing. It's only a timing issue. Objections to this view are that, first of all, what we have just read is a description of the catching up of the saints, but there's not a timing factor given to us. We're just told it's going to happen. For instance, it doesn't say, just before the great tribulation, the trumpet's going to blow. It doesn't say that. It just says, one day, trumpet's going to blow, and up you're going to go. Second reason some don't go with the pre trib rapture is those that hold to this insist that it must happen prior to the Great Tribulation because of verses like 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since the Great Tribulation is the wrath of God, then they contend no way we're going to go through God's wrath being poured out, we're going to be taken. But again, this verse does not specify which wrath Paul is talking about. The great white throne wrath when he judges the whole world for their sin or the tribulation wrath. We don't know. It doesn't say. The post-tribulation view simply holds that the catching up of the saints happens in conjunction with the return of Christ to the earth. Now, people say, well, wait a minute. What about the marriage supper of the Lamb? When when is that going to happen? If you're right... If it's going to all happen at the same time, when are we going to do the marriage supper of the Lamb? But once again, John's revelation doesn't give a time for when the bride will appear in heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb. It just says it's going to happen. Have I got you good and confused? Now I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Jeff, where do you stand? Right here. I stand on the rapture. That's where I land. If I had more time, I could give you all the differences between the rapture and the second coming. A quick few, the rapture, the whole world doesn't see. It's thief in the night. Jesus comes, takes the church. No one in the world knows. Second coming, behold, every eye will see him and those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will wail because of him. That's different. In the rapture, he comes for his church. In the second coming, he comes to set up his kingdom. In the rapture, we meet him in the sky. The second coming, he lands on the Mount of Olives and it splits in two. Zechariah chapter 14. Okay? So there's 10 to 15 distinct differences. So I land on the rapture. Now, if I'm wrong, we're still saved. Right? We're still saved. And if you go with, well, they're they're both, they're the same event and that's where you land and you're wrong, you're going up even when you're wrong because you're not going to heaven based on what you believe about the rapture. You're going to heaven based on what you believe about Christ. Right? And I'm just going to tell you on the way up, I'm going to be, I doubt it, but I would like to. Anyway, <laughs> Wednesday nights are fun. Too bad the radio can't see what I just did. No, it's probably a good thing. They can't see what I just did. But here's what I, where I land with this. I believe in the come at any moment, appearance of Jesus Christ. Here's my philosophy. I plan like He won't return in my lifetime. Do you know how many people have never gone to college or never bettered their life? because they were so convinced the Lord would return when they were young. Only heaven knows how many who didn't make major decisions, didn't develop their life, did not plan for the future because they thought he's coming, so why bother? No, I plan like he won't return in my lifetime, but I live like he could return today. That's what you do. In one of Jesus' parables, illustrating his departure and his eventual return, he tells the servants that he leaves in charge, occupy until I come, okay? So this is front burner for me. This is where I live. This is how I live. This is my viewpoint, to occupy or do kingdom business till he returns, is what I live for. And I wanna be involved in doing exactly that when he does. I would love to be preaching and quoting a verse when he returns. Bang, I'm seeing Jesus. Now back to 19, we're going to wrap it up. Next, John witnesses the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Here it comes. The world's never seen anything like this. Verse 11, heaven opens, and from that lofty realm of heaven comes the all-conquering Christ. Verse 11, then I saw heaven opened, oh my, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and Truth, and we know that's Christ. He judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire. On his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John 1.1. We note next that the redeemed of the Lord enter the picture, us. The Lord Jesus blood-bought saints return with him. Even Enoch of old prophesied of this event, Jude 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied saying, behold, the Lord comes with who everybody? Say it. Ten thousands of his saints. saints. Who's that? Notice the descriptive names that John uses for Jesus in verses 11 through 13, I love this. Up to six of them are in connection with his majestic return. Lamb, faithful, true. A mysterious name no one knows. Uh The Word, King, Lord. There's no question who this is. And John describes the spectacular return of Christ in technicolor. Watch this. The armies of heaven, that's you and me, and I believe the angels, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, that's us, followed him on white horses. Woo! From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He's coming back to stop the war of Armageddon. So from his mouth comes a sharp sword to strike down the nations at war. He'll rule them with an iron rod. He'll release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe, at his thigh, was written the title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Amen. This amazing event is the fulfillment of both Old and New Testament prophecies concerning Messiah's sudden and majestic return. It's, everybody say with me, it's literal. It's personal, it's personal. It's visible. Amen. It's physical. It's and it's spiritual. Amen. And it's the same Jesus who ascended up into heaven in Acts one eleven. And they were watching him go up. And the angel said to them, what are you looking at? The same one that ascended will one day descend again in the same way. Amen. And this we just read is it. John describes it in Revelations 1:7, and we close with this verse. I want us to read it together. Let's stand together and read it together. You ready? Look. He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for Him. Yes, amen. Amen. Next time, Jesus ends the
1: war of all wars and we're gonna see Jesus clean shop. Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877-884-3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more, and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. And we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless and thanks for listening to Hardwired.